When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Oh, yes! Welcome to Manchester United, Anthony Martial! Wonderful run from to Sheringham and Solskjaer has won it! Manchester United have reached the promised land! Rashford has got the dream goal! Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 22 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. This week is a season review. After last week, we lifted the FA Cup thanks to Jesse Lingard's late goal. You can find a review of that cup final and a review of Jose Mourinho's appointment and Van Gaal's sacking at United in the description below. This week is our season review. Best goals, best moments, best matches, and the worst of those things too, plus most underrated, most overrated, things like that. In a separate episode, we have a full academy slash youth roundup with Johnny Bohane at United underscore under 21 on Twitter. And we have a full loan review for you with a guest this week, a Brighton fan. Let's start off with our best things of the season, Jack. My best goal? It's quite a tough pick, this one. We've managed to score so few, but some of them have been really excellent. I've gone with Marcus Rashford's FA Cup goal against West Ham. Just such fantastic skill. And he was quite out of the game for a lot of that game. And suddenly he picked the ball up on the edge of the box and uh, some brilliant footwork and then right into the top corner. It's those ones where the, the net makes that brilliant. It just nestles in the net and makes that wonderful sound. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as well, it was a great goal. I love that. I think my favourite has got to be Martial against Stoke, just because it was so, so different to it, to everything that we've seen this season. It was the kind of goal that we've been crying out for for ages and ages. Um, also, sorry, just quickly, apologies for my voice. I have a really croaky throat at the moment. I hope it's not too annoying through this episode. <laughs> Martial's goal against Stoke as well, partly just because that that game we scored in the first half, and uh, I mean we'd spoken about it on the podcast, and we were so frustrated at that stat coming out 11 games in a row where we hadn't scored uh, in the first half at home and I mean 
that got boring, but the stat got boring as well. For so for us to score in the first half and then that goal to come was sensational. The whole the whole team effort, a counter attacking goal, and then this wonderful finish from Martial and Butland um, barely tried to go for that. And I think that won the Premier League Gold Cup or whatever they call it now, voted for by fans. I think that beat Benteke's goal in the United Liverpool game. My best moment, though, that was a good moment. We've had quite a few brilliant moments. It's just, as we mentioned in our Van Gaal review last week, there's just not been enough of them. Um, Martial's goal versus Liverpool has to win it for me, purely because he comes on and Martin Tyler does that. A welcome from Old Trafford, Anthony Martial, 36 million. And then he scores that and all of that price tag just is forgotten. And now a season on, we're looking at that and we're thinking, oh, what a debut. And the commentary as well. Martin Tyler, I mean, that was one of yeah. Martin Tyler's best moments. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm genuinely going to be so upset when Martin Tyler retires because some, some of the commentary he's given has been amazing. I think for me, that moment was great. That was really special. But I actually think his semi-final goal against Everton might top it just because there were, after everything that had happened in that game, what with Lukaku missing the penalty, you know, really getting dominated for large parts of the second half, the way that he popped up and, and just, and finished that off so late on in the game, that was, that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that was in my top three. Partly because I was there and it was just so much testosterone released in that moment. And partly just because, again, it was so, like he, like the Stoke goal, it was just so out of what we were used to that season, a last minute winner. And, and the Herrera's tenacity. He's had a poor season, actually. But his tenacity there, just to poke the ball through while he was sitting on the floor, was, was brilliant. Also, in, in the, the top moments, Rashford against Arsenal. Because Rashford against yeah. Midgeyland, yeah. the double was incredible. Not just incredible, like, <laughs> what a debut. But yeah. to then go on against Arsenal, not a Danish team. Arsenal, who, for all their faults, are, are a good team. One of the best in the country, although that level's not too high. Um... To come on there and to score two goals in, what was it, must have been five minutes or something. It was one of those moments where you sit back after you've celebrated it and you just think, oh my word. And that I was thinking about this the other day, Rashford's entire start to his United in England career. Because, I mean, another debut goal for him in his England debut. That was two minutes in as well. I was thinking about his senior career so far. And it is one of those things that you dream about as a kid. <laughs> and... That, that's what you thought when you were six years old and Rashford actually done it. So I think that has to, that's definitely got to be up there in one of my moments of the season. I loved that game against Arsenal. Um, as well, just because there was such, there was like kind of so much negativity going into the game. We had so many injuries going in, going into the game. We'd, all right, we'd, we had just beaten Midtjylland and, and played pretty well in the Europa League, but you know, we should never have been in a situation where we needed to to win, was it 5-1 against Midtjylland at home to get through to the the next round of the Europa League. Um, and then to come out and for Rashford to, to score another brace on his Premier League debut against Arsenal, that was an incredible, incredible moment. Obviously, we've got Lingard's winning goal in the FA Cup as well. That was brilliant in the, in the FA Cup final. I think it, it, if that goal was a few minutes later and it had come in, yeah. Kind of 120th, 121st minute. That would have been a really, really special moment. It was special anyway, but I think yeah, because it was special. But I was sitting there, um, and there were a few moments. Zaha got into the box at one point, and Balassi too, where I was kneeling down. Yeah, the entire stand just stood up in the, those final moments, and I was kneeling down on the floor, like almost crying into my hands, just thinking, <laughs> "Oh my god, what, what would I do if Zaha scores against this football <laughs> club here?" 
But yeah, if that came a few minutes later, that would be by far the moment of the season. But that's up there. You, you mentioned the Arsenal match, that entire match. One of my matches of the season, Midgerland 2. And mainly it's that Arsenal match, Midgerland, and uh, the two FA Cup matches, West Ham and Everton. Yeah, I think also in that, um, it was that Arsenal match with the, with the Louis van Gaal dive as well, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. And that, that's got to be right up that. And that and his little run when, um, when we scored in the FA Cup final, that was great as well. Yeah, those two are both moments of the season. The, the little run towards Ryan Giggs and the, <laughs> the celebration. Yeah. Saying that, it came to the end of his United career, now sacked, um, and he started properly celebrating. Those FA Cup goals, yeah. he properly celebrated, and that, that was good to see, especially that he ran over to Giggs. I assume that meant Giggs said something about Lingard coming on, but that was a... Uh, for him to go out in that way was brilliant after so much misery sitting on the bench yeah. with his notepad. Midgerland partly was so such a good match because Memphis shone out as well and that's the best individual performance I've seen from a United player in years. There was just, he brought so much excitement and he eventually got a goal in the end. And I remember someone's writing a match report for Vavil, my site, and Memphis was in the headline rather than Rashford and that just says how sensational his performance was there because I remember the, the gifts came out the next day of his skills and ah, oh, it was like watching Ronaldo again so just hopefully he can recreate that next season yeah that's true the, that individual performance was brilliant it's definitely the standout individual performance of, of the season like you said it's something we haven't seen in a long long time um, albeit against a mediocre opposition but some of the skills some of the talent he, he showed that night doesn't, doesn't matter who you're playing against it's impressive it, Every, every single time. Um, so that was the Midtjylland games were gave us both probably the worst and one of the best <laughs> kind of moments of the season. I think as well for me the the one nil win at Anfield was good as well. That was a, that was really really great. I, I've mentioned this before, like just because it was so undeserved and it was like in some ways that just made it all the sweeter because it was a real way of kind of sticking it to the Liverpool fans. Moving on to a, a, a broader section, best player of the season. There's probably four contenders for this, really. Uh, my first pick, purely because I feel guilty about picking anyone else, is Daley Blind. Because towards the end of the season, the Tottenham game, you just have to say he was atrocious that 3-0, and we'll move on to worst match. But apart from that game and probably one or two errors against Palace, against Balassi, Blind has had a sensational season, especially playing out of his comfort zone. He's adapted so quickly. And at the start of the season, when we were saying we're going to have defensive woes, there have been a few performances, Arsenal at the Emirates, Spurs at uh, White Hart Lane, where that has shown itself. But for the majority, we've had the best um, defence in the league, I think, better than Tottenham after they were whipped by Newcastle on the final day of the season. And, I mean, it probably does deserve to go to the hair because he's probably the main reason why we have such a good defensive record. But Blind, it's just been such a, a refreshing experience to watch United have a centre-back like that, who, while he has been very good defensively, his ability to start counter-attack is incredible. We didn't get to see it a lot of the time because we were so slow and our movement was so poor. <laughs> but um, his ability to play out of the back was really, really good. And it was... I don't want him to play there next season. I don't want to have to play him next season. But for this season, it will go down as very nice memory watching such a, a talented player of the ball in defence. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, he's not not the kind of centre-back that we've had in, in a long time. And it was really refreshing to see someone 
who was really, really competent and able to to step out of defence with the ball at his feet and really get us moving on the attack. Although, as you said as well, our movement often kind of hindered his efforts to do that. He's been a revelation this season, really. Last season, didn't do anything particularly wrong. Um, but I suppose because he was kind of used as a utility player, just kind of shoved around the team wherever he was needed, he was never able to really show what he could do. And I don't think any of us really appreciated how good he was on the ball until... Funny, it's, it's strange how he was able to show that side of him more when he moved back into, into um, centre-half. Yeah, he's been really, really good this season. Um, he mentioned De Gea as well. I mean, there's there's not much more we can really say about De Gea, to be honest. He's been our saviour for the last three seasons, really. Um, and for me, certainly the best goalkeeper in the league, probably just behind Neuer in terms of, of the world. And he gets my vote for player of the season, definitely. Outfield players, Blind, obviously, is definitely Marsh- a contender. Martial, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I don't want to put Rashford in there, but purely <laughs> because, uh, as we've mentioned our best moments, and purely because so many of them have been Marcus Rashford. And we're recording this on the day he and um, Cameron Borthwick-Jackson have both signed uh, long-term deals till 2020. One-year extension possible. On that, Cameron Borthwick-Jackson signing a new contract, because Rashford signing a new deal is, is an obvious move, if a good one. But the fact that we've also given Borthwick Jackson a new deal, I'm very pleased with that because when he did get uh, the chances, he was dropped for the FA Cup final for reasons unbeknown to me. And he was also dropped for many games for uh, also reasons that I don't really understand by Van Gaal. But when he got his chance, he was fantastic. And uh, it's a positive sign given my concerns over Marino's youth record that he's given a new contract. Yeah, so I, I guess we have to include Rashford in that discussion and Chris Morling, partly because of his hilarious red card. I mean, <laughs> like, it was an incredible performance that to, to provide such comedy in such a, a tense moment uh, takes some doing. So apart from that, a very, very good season and he's just captain England against Australia when Rashford scored his goals. So that's a a good reward for him at the end of the season. So he's also up there for discussion. Yeah, sorry, just in terms of the of the contracts, it's, I totally agree. It's a really good sign that the club are committing young youth players to, to long-term contracts, even even if, obviously, Mourinho probably didn't have a massive say in that, but it's just a good signal of intent from the club and probably just sends a message, even to Mourinho, probably more than anyone else, that you know the club are really taking the, the current crop of young players seriously and really do want to see some of them stay at the club long-term. In terms of Chris Smalling for player of the season, he's he's had a really, really good season. Um, we, we kind of saw at the back end of, of last season, we kind of saw that he could be, maybe not something special necessarily, but, you know, really kind of fulfil the potential that we all hoped that he would eventually. Um, and he carried that form on into the, into this season. He's been really, really good. He did had a, have a dip in form in the second half of the season. I, I, after that... Um, insane three-all draw at Newcastle. His form kind of dipped a little bit, but he picked it up towards the end of the season again. And despite the hilarious red card, he has had a, a really, really solid season. Who, who, who would get your vote, Harry, for, if I had to, just one word answer, who would be your vote for outfield player of the season? Daily Blind. Although I feel guilty for Martial because I think what we've come to expect of him is so high. It probably should be Martial, but because of, this isn't a one-word answer, <laughs> it probably should be Martial, but because he's been so good, the expectations are so high. And it seems, since he's come in, he's been so good, it seems natural for him to do that, whereas Blind and Smalling is more of a surprise. So 
I guess it, it probably should be Martial. Last of the of the good awards, I guess. Uh, most underrated player this season. Oh, um, I'm actually not sure. Um, well, I mean, possibly Blin, to be fair, because I think until the last, I would say, really month or so, honestly, I don't think he's get, got much credit the whole season. So I think he's definitely got to be up there. Possibly Lingard as well. Um, yeah, we've got um, a question from at J underscore BHAFC. He says, surprised by how much Lingard is underappreciated by United fans. And he definitely gets my vote for most underrated because his finishing is, is terrible. I mean, <laughs> to be blunt, it is really, really woeful. The the goal against Crystal Palace in the cup final, very good strike, instinctive, right in the top corner, uh, put his laces through it, really, really good strike, especially to do that under pressure. Um, the goal against Chelsea, one of the goals of the season, we didn't discuss it, but one of the goals of the season, uh, on the half volley, a really, really good strike as well. But particularly the Newcastle game, the 3-3, Lingard's finishing could have won us the game and we would have gone 4-3 and I think we would have been closer to the top four at that moment in time. So there have been too many moments where his finishing has been poor, so I can see why people slate him for that. But his overall game, his movement is very good. He opens up so much space for Mata, Rooney, Rashford, Martial to go into. And I think that's what people don't notice. Um, so the movement is the main thing that I feel is underappreciated because he does so much running for the team that people don't realise. He, he does so much work off the ball that people don't realise that people don't notice that. And people do notice his lack of finishing ability, very distinct lack of finishing ability. So I think he's probably my most underrated and, yeah, blind as well, I guess. Yeah, on Lingard, I think he's a tough one because I don't rate Lingard that highly in terms of his technical ability or kind of his role long term in, in, in the team. But he does get way, way, way too much stick from our fans. He is really underappreciated. The work he does off the ball, like you, like you were saying, off the ball, the work that he does is in some ways a lot more significant than what he does on it. He, he isn't the best technically. I think we all realize that he's never going to be someone who who will be whipping in crosses like David Beckham or ha- have the shooting abilities of, of Ronaldo or, or Rooney or, or even like Martial or Memphis. But he does give us a different kind of outlet to what, say, Mata does on, on, on the right wing. And he has been a really valuable member of our squad this season in times when our attack has really lacked, I don't want to say cutting edge because Lingard's cutting edge isn't amazing, but just a bit, just the ability to stretch defences and, and really make them, them think about more, more the kind of pace that we have, because there was a, a point in the season where our, our team really lacked, lacked pace seriously. Um, and since he's come in, he's given an injection of pace, injection of life in, into the attack. And he has done a lot of good work this season if he is, you know, not the, the, the most technically gifted player. So he gets my vote for most underrated of the season. Right. So let's move on to our bad awards of the season. Let's start with worst moment. We've got a few of these. Quite a few of these. I think my worst moment is Nick Powell coming on for Juan Mata against Wolfsburg to be our saviour, our super sub, as we're trying to keep ourselves in in the Champions League. Um, A a strange decision, that one. Without a doubt. I still can't actually quite believe um, that 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 happened. I I read an article about Nick Powell's um, loan spell at Hull, and I was just thinking back, you know, how has he ended up at Hull? And just a few months ago, he was brought on to be our saviour in the Champions League. Quite ridiculous, really. Um, worst moment for me, I'm trying to think, there's been, there's been quite a lot. 
Um, I think Stoke on Boxing Day was was really bad. That was a real low point. Um, yeah, that's when it looked inevitable that Van Halen be sacked, and he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think just that whole that whole kind of period. What was it? A thirteen game winless streak. Something like that. Yeah. Um, just that whole period was real. I remember the the, the um, defeat at home to Norwich as well. That was a real low point. Um, in terms of individual games, I'd say the Stoke game. Getting knocked out by Liverpool in the Europa League was bad as well. And the 3-0 defeat at Tottenham. I think the moment Coutinho scored, we were both there at Old Trafford, was painful. Um, really painful. Just because we were about to go into half-time 1-0 up. Martial had scored the penalty. And there was so much momentum. And Coutinho, Varela, for such a good season he had, uh, then got dropped, I think. Uh, Guillermo Vela got absolutely torn apart in a terrible performance by him. I guess every young player has one of them. Um, and Coutinho just strode past and chipped the hair. And that everything about that goal was so painful. The fact it was Liverpool, the fact they knocked us out of the, the secondary European competition, and the fact it was Coutinho who I don't particularly like, and De Gea got made to look like a mug. So that that's one of the worst moments of the season in terms of the worst match. Uh, that Liverpool game is up there. Probably the first leg against Liverpool is worse purely because we were embarrassed by a, a team who are actually worse than us, although they did get to the Europa League final. And the Midtjylland game, the Arsenal game, the Newcastle game, uh, the Spurs game, we could go on, probably. Stoke, Norwich, Bournemouth. Uh, any others you can add to that list in terms of worst game of the season? Oh, God. <laughs> There's been quite a few. West Ham. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big one. That was... Because um, uh, I missed that. It was the first, I think it was the first game I missed all season. Not in terms of going to it, but in terms of watching. And I came out of where I was and saw the score. I was scrolling up Twitter and I saw we, uh, we'd gone in front. <laughs> and then I slowly went up Twitter more and we'd lost 3-2. And that was just such a gutting moment. Particularly because we know that if we'd held on and drawn that game, we would have got Champions League football. Yeah. Uh, but although I guess Mourinho might not have been appointed then, so some people might see that as a positive, I guess. I think the other really bad one for me was the um, the defeat to PSV in the Champions League, the one uh, when Luke Shaw got injured, um, because Shaw had started off the season so well, and that was a real kick in the teeth. And obviously, the defeat to PSV was, was really bad for our Champions League campaign. Especially because we'd just come so. off the... We were three days on from beating Liverpool at Martial's debut yeah. goal. And for and Luke Shaw had played well in that game, as he had played well in every game, basically. And he was having a really good season. And then Hector Moreno goes in, breaks his leg. And it looked like he was about to score as well, uh, to make it even worse. And then Hector Moreno, I don't, I don't think he even got booked or, or anything. And then he goes up the other end of the pitch and scores to win it for PSV. And that, that was terrible. And it was just such a blow to momentum and, and that was really... It wasn't the Wolfsburg defeat because we thought they might be our biggest challenge. It was that PSV defeat in the, the opening match day that I think uh, knocked us out of the Champions League. Yeah, and, and what was almost worse about it was that the actual defeat on its own wasn't as bad as some, as some of the others that we've mentioned, but just in terms of the effect that it had on our season long term because... You also have the effect, I think it had quite a big effect on Memphis as well because him and Shaw had started to develop a really good relationship. They looked like really good friends um, off the pitch as well. And then when that happened, Memphis just seemed to go off 
go off the rails a little bit. I think it really did affect him. And so that partnership was broken down. It meant that we had to play with Rojo at left back for large parts of the season, which we all know how badly that <laughs> turned out. Um, so yeah, I think although the actual defeat at the time wasn't, wasn't, or didn't feel quite as bad as some of the others, the, the implications that it had for the rest of the season actually were really, really bad. Right, let's move on to our most overrated player and worst player. My most overrated, Ander Herrera. Um, awful season. Really, really, really bad after some excellent moments in his first season. It's just his supposed passion, which he does have, yes, that cuts him some slack. And I hope that he's successful under Mourinho because he's such a, a nice guy. He understands what playing for United is about, the cliche. But it, it was a really awful season that people didn't notice. And he got... The, the main tactical point is that he just, he'd get dragged out of, of positions and it, it wasn't right. He'd, he'd charge forward and leave this huge gap in midfield and, and the other team would counterattack straight into it and easily score. So that, that was my most overrated, uh, my worst player, Marcus Rojo, I think, possibly Herrera as well. Rojo, who I think is quite a good centre back and could do quite well if Mourinho plays him as a centre-back, a left-sided centre-back. Um, and he is another one who has quite a lot of passion for the club, supposed passion. I, I actually saw him in the away end at Anfield, that game he was speaking about, um, patted him on the back and he gave me a nice smile. So I appreciate he did that. But um, <laughs> he, he had a bad season. I think if he does play at centre-back, he he could be successful. But as a left-back, he is, he is utterly dreadful. Yeah, he's, he's been right up there. Most overrated player of the season. I'd actually say for the first half of the season, I'd actually say Darmian, because although, although it's been well documented how, how badly he's been, how bad he's played in the second half of the season, just literally after a few games, he was being spoken about as the best right back in the league. And, and although he was in good form, there was never any kind of justification for, for rating him that highly. And I think, our fans kind of got a bit too excited, I guess, because, you know, we did stuck with Raphael for a while. And although I love Raphael, he was never amazing. So when Damian started to play well, we, we all kind of got a bit too excited and his performances were overrated quite a lot at the start of the season. Um, yeah, that's a fair I, point on, on Raphael. He tweeted about our FA Cup victory. Just, uh, just reiterating my love for Raphael de Silva. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, he, he loves the club more than, more than most. Um, I, I kind of miss Raphael, honestly, but yeah. And then, and then for the rest of it, you, I, I have to agree with Herrera, honestly. It wasn't, it almost wasn't that people were saying that he'd been playing amazing. He just seems to escape so much criticism where other players were not, not even just certain players were singled out, just that other players were, were criticized a lot more for actually playing a lot better than Herrera. Um, worst player of the season. Yeah, Rojo has, has got to be up there. Um, Partly because he cannot cook toast, and I find that incredible. <laughs> if, you're on, if you're listening on Acast, I've put this picture up now. We'll tweet it out. I'm sure you've seen it, but he, he, he burnt his toast so badly, and it might be a South American thing, but I cannot believe that someone can burn toast that bad. It was, it was charcoal black, the entire thing, not just the central bit, because I, I've done that before, but terrible toast maker. <laughs> and that that says it all really I think that is the criteria for a successful left back at Man United um, but yeah no, I think Ro- Rojo's I don't think there's anyone who, who I can really say has, has played worse than Rojo this season honestly um, everyone else has at least had kind of one or two good games you know like if we were 
if we were doing this, say, in October time, I'm sure that a lot of people would be saying Rooney, and that that would probably be a good shout. But at least Rooney's had a string of of good games at the end of the season, and but Rojo has, has literally just been terrible all year, so he gets my vote. So let's move on to our loan review for this episode. And with us today to discuss James Wilson's spell at Brighton and Hove Albion is Brighton fan George Kane. Um, he joined in November, five goals in that time. What have you made of him? Quite a frustrating player, if I'm honest. Obviously, he's shown bags potential at United and also at Brighton. But I thought he never quite fulfilled, you know, what, what he should be living up to. I was very happy when he, when he came because, you know, a big name from a big club. But I don't know, he never really kicked on. Uh, if I'm honest. I think I remember him having a, an alright start and it sort of just faded out a bit and he, he started getting put on the bench more. But it, it would be unfair to say that Hewton's not given him quite a large chance, really, because he's he's played 25 games, quite a few as a substitute. But, I mean, yeah. you'd be expecting a, a higher tally from someone who showed his quality when he was given a chance at United. Yeah, well... His first game was um, home to Charlton and he uh, he came off the bench and scored a really good goal. He picked the ball up from the halfway line and, you know, he took it past about three players and he scored a really good goal. But I don't know, he always seems to sort of have, over the Christmas period, I remember he had a, an illness problem. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, he threw up on, on the pitch yeah. on Sky Sports and, um, yeah, he seems to have some sort of weird illness that, that was with him for uh, like a couple of months and over that time he never really got any actual match time you know from the start of the game he always came off the bench do you think it's fair to say from, from what I've seen of Brighton this season it seemed that whenever I watched Wilson he always seemed to be trying too hard trying too hard to impress trying to do too much himself do you think that's a fair assessment yeah definitely I mean obviously with us doing so well this year places in the team were quite hard to come by you know it was a competitive environment for him to come into but he just didn't really seem to have what it takes to to hold down a starting spot, and I would definitely say that, that yeah, that assessment would definitely be fair. You know, he didn't really have the right physicality. He was a very good technical player. You know, on the ball, he was very gifted, as you probably well know, but he didn't really seem to have what it takes to be sort of a starting player in the Championship. And you'd think now, coming back to United, we've seen Rashford come through. There's been rumours about Ibrahimovic. Yeah. And, I mean, Ashley Fletcher's done very well. We'll move on to him in a second. At Barnsley, so you've got Ashley Fletcher would probably be ahead of Wilson at the moment, even though Wilson had such a, an incredible start to, to his United career. If you saw him, how surprised would would you be to see him be successful at United, or do you think it's just a spell that that he can overcome and, and still have a have a good career at United? Um, well, I'd be quite surprised to see him stay at United. To be honest, I mean. With Rashford coming on, how he has, you know, and also Mourinho coming in. Obviously, he hasn't really favoured young players in his in his managerial spell uh, at Chelsea. So I'll be very surprised to see Wilson actually have a have a good career at United now. I mean, you know, there's a lot of youngsters coming through that squad, and of course, United will will most probably sign a big name striker in the summer. So I I really can't see him having much you know, much more game time in United. If Wilson does leave, and I, I think it, it's entirely possible. I think I think what you just said is pretty spot on. What sort of level do you expect him to kind of end up playing at? Do you think it will be in the Championship again or perhaps maybe a bit higher or even maybe lower? I, I think he'll make a good striker for maybe one of the teams coming up. You know, um, as you've seen, Middlesbrough, Burnley and Harlow all come up. You know, they could all be looking for 
for strikers such as Wilson. But, you know, I think championship slash low Premier League team is probably his level, I would say. Do you think he do he might do better in the, the... It's a physical league and it's much more physical than other top European leagues, but the Premier League compared to the championship's intensity is much, uh, is yeah. much less. Do you think he could benefit from that in the Premier League and strangely do better in a harder league? I think so, yeah. I mean, his fitness levels seem to be quite good when he played for Brighton. You know, he was one of the players that would always sort of run around until he seemed to get really tired. So I think under high intensity, um, high intensity games, I think he can really thrive in that and maybe that will be good for him. Well, thank you very much for coming on, George. Can we find you on Twitter anywhere? Uh, yeah, my Twitter name is georgekane5, so give us a follow. Thank you very much for coming on, George. No problems. Cheers, guys. Moving on to our other lone players, Ashley Fletcher has probably been the most successful of them and we're recording this a day after he scored his second goal at Wembley, two minutes into the League One playoff final and his Barnsley have been promoted, um, winning in the playoff final and he's, he scored in the Johnston Paint Trophy final as well, he won that with them, he scored in League One quite a few times as well, five goals, four assists uh, in the Football League Trophy too, um, a, a great lone move for him wasn't it? Yeah it really was. Um... I actually watched a couple of, I watched all of their games in the playoffs, but I also watched a couple of Barnsley games towards the end of the season just because I'd heard really good things about Ashley Fletcher, but I'd never really seen him that much. And he really does look like a good player. He's, he's got some really good feet. Physically, he's great. He's strangely quick for how tall he is, actually, um, deceptively quick. And yeah, he, he looked a great player for Barnsley, honestly. Um, he seems to have a temperament for the big stage. I mean, two games, two goals at Wembley. You can't really ask for much more. Yeah, Rashford, um, Rashford scored two minutes into his England debut, but has he ever scored in <laughs> two minutes into a League One player final? Exactly. You wouldn't think he'd get a chance next season, purely because Ibrahimovic rumours, Morata rumours, Icardi rumours, but, but big striker rumours, basically. Rashford, Martial, Rooney, Memphis can play up there. You've got so many options as a striker that you wouldn't think Fletcher's going to get a chance. But given we have the Europa League games, Mourinho, who likes to keep the same starting eleven every week for the Premier League, might completely rest the team and maybe Fletcher will get a chance in the Europa League. Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, possibly in the Capital One Cup as well. It'll be interesting to see whether Ashley Fletcher does go out on loan again or whether he stays. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to me if he stays because... Obviously, with Rashford kind of now a permanent fixture in the first team, I suppose the under-21s need would like someone of Fletcher's calibre to kind of play up front for them. So wouldn't surprise me if he's in the under-21s a lot and kind of comes in, like you said, in games where Mourinho decides to make wholesale changes. Um, I wouldn't be upset if he went on loan again, I guess... provided that it was a step up from, from where he was playing last season. Well, if he, he could... Because Barnsley fans obviously have a, a good relationship with him now. He knows the Barnsley coaches, he knows the Barnsley players. And now they're, they are that step up. They're in the championship. Yeah. They're going to be playing a, against an entirely different level of, uh, of opposition. So it could make sense for him, if they want him again, to go back on loan to Barnsley for at least another half season or a, a whole season because that would get him some consistency, uh, provide him with a good setup because Barnsley, yeah. in terms of their youth setup at Oakwell, is very good. And that could make sense. Moving on to our other loan players very quickly. 
Dean Henderson at Stockport, one of the goalkeepers on loan. They finished fourth in the National League and won the Cheshire Senior Cup. He played quite quite a few times for them, most league games and a few cup games. Victor Valdez, how did he do at Standard Liège? Uh, Standard Liège finished seventh in the Belgian Pro League. Uh, they actually won the, the Belgian Cup, but his loan ended up being terminated early as towards the end of the season. They, they wanted to kind of blood their youngsters in their games. But, I mean, it... it could have been could have been a worse loan spell for Valdez, I suppose, just wanting to get some game time, really, which he managed to do. Yeah, and you'd expect him to leave. His contract does end this season, but there is a one-year extension possibility, so now Van Gaal's gone. Uh, Marino might want him instead of Romero, but you don't know. Kieran O'Hara, another goalkeeper. He was at Morecambe, who finished 21st in League 2, avoiding relegation. I think his debut was a penalty save as a substitute. I remember us talking about that. And yeah. he was man of the match in that game, uh, obviously. And then he went on into the next game while the goalkeeper was suspended and was man of the match again. Uh, might not be right, but I think that that was the case. So he, he had a very good loan spell before coming back at the end of the season. Joel Pereira at Rochdale for a bit. He returned in January to play with the under-21s and he was key in them winning the league title. Sam Johnston, how did he do? He came back in January, I think. Uh, yeah, he came back in January. Funny enough, he was actually replaced in goal by former United goalkeeper Anders Lindegaard, which has had a strange sort of symmetry about it. He didn't do too badly for Preston. Uh, they ended up finishing 11th in the championship. As you said, Johnston returned in January. It's unlike, looking unlikely that he will stay at United for, for too long, what with Henderson, Pereira, Romero, De Gea, possibly Valdez. So we'll see what happens to him next season. Wouldn't surprise me to see him go out alone again or perhaps uh, a permanent move away. Nick Powell went to Hull, who have been promoted from the championship, Steve Bruce's men. Uh, we'll, he'll be back at Old Trafford next season. Uh, which is good for him. They finished fourth in the championship, but Powell got injured quite soon after he, he came to Hull, so didn't get much game time, but played a few times. Donald Love, you'll remember him making his debut against Sunderland for United. That was a, a bad moment this season, actually. Um, yeah. He was on loan at Wigan. They won League One after he left, but he did come back and made his debut. Tyler Blackett, you vented your frustrations at this <laughs> move. He was at Celtic. It ended up just being a farcical low move, to be honest. He played a few times earlier on in the season. He ended up getting frozen out of the squad. It seemed for to, to all the world that he was just going to be recalled and slot back into the under-21s and I suppose occasionally be used as cover in the first team. But for some reason, Ronnie Dylard, um blocked the termination of his loan. No one's really quite sure what the motivation was behind that, but he effectively just spent a few months not playing um, and just kind of wasting that that period effectively similarly Adnan Yanazai as well it kind of the opposite way around but he obviously returned from his loan spell at Dortmund in January Dortmund went on to finish second um in the Bundesliga but even after Yanazai returned he he barely played um and I'll be quite interested to see what happens with Yanazai next season actually because obviously we all know how well he burst onto the scene under David Moyes um, that game against Sunderland will live long in the memory those two fantastic goals but never really kicked on from there when he did come on this season when he returned from loan he was underwhelming albeit to be fair to him only ever played in kind of really short bursts um, what do you think will happen to Yanazai next season? Well Mourinho has spoken of his admiration for him I think I can't remember the exact quote but he said he's 18 but he acts like 25 something like that and he he said how much he liked him. So he says the, the old cliche, if you're good enough, you're old enough. So Marino does use that, to be fair. His youth record is, is a concern. But if 
the the players are really really talented he will use them he won't just ignore them it's not a, a block of all youth players it's just he only uses the ones that will bring him success immediately because that's the kind of person he is so I think he might get a chance under Marino because he did like him he's seen his quality he knows his quality it may just be a, a confidence issue and a a manager that needs to get his attitude back on track because the, the coaches at Dortmund spoke of his attitude issues and various people I've spoken to have mentioned his attitude issues. So possibly just needs to do that. Joe Roswell was at Barnsley until October, as Ashley Fletcher is now. As we said, they've been promoted to the championship by the playoffs, thanks to Ashley Fletcher. But Roswell came back and I think he got injured by the under-21s. But while he was playing, he he's a good player, but unlikely to to make it at United due to the... Because there's so many good midfielders in that United under-21s team. Uh, Sean Goss is unlikely to make it. There's Josh Harrop, there's Rothwell, there's James Weir. So he, he might leave, I guess, this summer or continue in the under-21s or go out on loan. Have we got any questions this week? We've obviously already covered the one uh, about Lingard. Just the, the one other. Simply, straight to the point, what happened to Schneiderlin? I guess referring to how little... He plays. I'd quite like to start off on this one, actually, because I suppose we've both been quite vocal about it, actually. I, I don't know, honestly, what's happened to Schneiderlin, in all honesty. I really like Schneiderlin. I think he, he could have done a really good job for us at times this season, especially in the bigger games. He's definitely the most effective of our midfielders at kind of breaking up play and acting as a, a, a normal kind of defensive midfielder. I think Carrick, when he plays there, is, is good against the smaller sides because he's more accomplished on the ball than Schneiderlin. But I would have liked to have seen Schneiderlin play more, um, especially alongside Rooney and or Herrera, although Herrera has had a terrible season. So yeah, in all honesty, I don't know what's happened to, to Schneiderlin, although I hope we'll see a lot more of him next season. Yeah, it's a tricky one because there have been performances where he's been bad. His, he loses possession too much occasionally. Sometimes he lacks discipline, but mainly the the key thing is his interceptions. He just breaks up play so well, and it's probably against bigger teams where you need him more. But in some smaller team games where Carrick has been played, when they're on the counter-attack and when they're sitting black, as they always do or always did under Van Gaal, they probably will do the same under Marino when we're uh, a more attacking outfit. You'd think that Schneidlin could also be used in those smaller games to protect the counter-attack and and not let it happen. So he should have been played more. What happened to him? He played quite well. A lot of people didn't notice. That's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for listening to the Season Review, Series 1, Episode 22 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We started in January. We hope you've enjoyed us this season, and we'll keep going during the summer with interviews, transfer rumours, other stuff like that. Really appreciate the support given to us. We didn't really expect it when we began this, so thank you for that. Uh, Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. Thank you for listening to Series 1, Episode 22 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Goodbye. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.